crisis communications, the art of handling a breach response, and shifting identities, the road ahead for MasterCard. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. Crisis communications. After a cybersecurity incident, some organizations handle communications well, others not so much. I'm joined now by ISMG Executive Editor Matthew Schwartz. So Matt, you've been reporting on a ransomware attack in Scotland that kicked off on Christmas Eve, hitting the Scottish Environmental Protection Agency. And the government agency has received kudos for its breach response. What has it done correctly? So Anna, the chief executive of SEPA is Terry Ahern, and he's been lauded for the clear communications that the agency put out in the wake of the attack. As you mentioned, this was on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2020. The attackers obviously timed it to cause maximum disruption, trying to ensure that this victim, like so many other victims, would be driven to pay a ransom which was the point of this attack. So SIPA, in the wake of this attack, immediately issued some press statements, so indicating that it was on top of the response. And it's also set up a dedicated website and issued weekly updates to its more than 1,000 staff, including detailed questions and answers. Now, in particular, Ahern and SEPA's really been lauded for its refusal to pay a ransom. Even though a full recovery is gonna take months and it's not clear that they're going to be able to get back every piece of data that was crypto locked. But Ahern said that as a government agency devoted to getting everyone to do the right thing and punishing those who don't, not paying the ransom was, to his mind, the only option. And that's been earning him plaudits. Here's Kieran Martin, who until last August served as Britain's cybersecurity chief, helping organizations such as SEPA respond to these types of attacks. Frankly, the moral courage of the organization in refusing to pay the ransom is a huge deal and is to be commended because, I mean, if you take that specific, I mean, as I say, there's no specific answer to all cyber crime and some of it's state back, some of it's not, uh, some of it's for money, some of it's for political advantage. So, you know, it's, 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 as, it's as variable as crime and malign activity in the non-digital uh, uh, world. But one of the reasons why ransomware has reached epidemic proportions is that it's been incentivized and the more Terry's and Zipas we have, then the less advantageous it will be. So Matt, to what extent, if any, are breached businesses culpable for being breached? It's really difficult as a business, even if you've done everything correctly and you still get hit, then you do own the breach to a degree and also the breach response. But it can be really helpful as an organization if you can honestly say that you really had prepared to the best of your ability. And in the case of SEPA, Malcolm Graham, the Deputy Chief Constable of Police Scotland, told a Scottish cybersecurity conference in February that the agency did in fact have very good defences in place. SEPA is is not, was not a poorly protected organisation. Again, our assessment of that is that there were a lot of measures in place that you would expect to see for an organisation of that type. And and actually, again, it's just a reminder to us that demonstrates the ability of some of the groups um, are going to be able to overcome some fairly sophisticated uh, and and secure 
um, protection uh, barriers that people have in place around about their, their organizations as well. So breach organizations way too often after they get hit will say that their attackers were sophisticated and cyber attacks are commonplace, oftentimes to excuse the fact of their having been breached. But of course, even a well-prepared organization can fall victim. It's important to remember that. So Zipa has been earning plaudits for how it's handled post-breach communications. What can and should other organizations learn from it? Well, just like data breaches in general, having a plan in advance of suffering a breach is, I think, the number one recommendation from incident response experts. Because if you've got a plan in place and you have practiced it, then you will know what to do. You'll have a binder, for example, with all of the essential phone numbers printed out because your computers have been crypto locked. So how do you contact people? How do you call the authorities, the police, and bring them in? You need to have all of these details worked out in advance. And Ahern at SIPA said this, in fact, was crucial for their response. He said that they had excellent communications in place with the board, so he was able to quickly get them on board with the plan that he put in place for response. He said the first three weeks also were critical, and his agency was really able to hit the ground running to handle this incident. This isn't the first time we've seen an agency or an organization handle a breach well. Another one that comes to mind is Maersk, the Danish shipping giant, which in 2017 got hit by NotPetya. It disrupted global shipping, ports, ships had a hard time docking and offloading their materials, and it took weeks and weeks for Maersk to get back up and running. But cybersecurity experts and others lauded Maersk for being really clear and transparent about what it was doing. A lot of organizations choose not to do that, but accidents happen. And SIPA's response is a reminder that how you choose to recover, no matter what else has happened, how you choose to recover can send a really strong message about your organization's integrity and trustworthiness and really help bring victims, stakeholders, and the general public on side with what you're doing. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. ISMG's Director of Banking and Payments, Nick Holland, hypothesizes that MasterCard is becoming increasingly divorced from card-type activity and framing themselves rather as custodians and controllers of digital identity. But is he right? Well, here's Sarah Clark, Senior Vice President of Digital Identity at MasterCard, who speaks with Holland about where the business is heading. Yeah, I mean, we certainly see digital identity as being a huge opportunity that, you know, in size over time will parallel the size of the card business or even exceed it. Because if you think about digital identity, payments and identity, as we know, and I know we could talk about that probably forever, are intertwined or should be intertwined. More identity certainty makes payments safer, but identity extends well beyond payments. We're active in education. We've had a successful pilot enabling 
enabling students to access education providers, exams and certifications more securely. So no payment, you know, involved in that. And, you know, I could cite numerous examples. Travel is another area that we're involved in. And if you think about when travel reemerges, all of the touch points where identity is important and can be more seamless, safer, enjoyable, incorporate more biometrics. So we're involved in that. So we certainly see digital identity as being as big or bigger than than payments going into the future. It'll take a while (laughs) to get there. But yeah, exactly. So I'm not sure I would use the word divorce. I would maybe more use the word enhance or augment (laughs) in terms of the overall focus of of MasterCard. There's, There's so many exciting and good things going on that continue to strategically increase the focus of our business. And finally, Ariel Weintraub is a name you should know. Not only is she the new head of enterprise cybersecurity at insurance company Mass Mutual, but also actively engaged in making the industry more diverse and inclusive. Whilst the positive impact of diversity and inclusion is no longer debatable, there's still work to be done. So how can we achieve significant change on both these fronts? Well, here she is in conversation with our senior vice president of editorial, Tom Field, about what it'll take. Well, I think we need everyone to participate just as much as we need people from the groups that are underrepresented. We need allies across the areas that have been more represented over time. I think talking about it is the most important way to put attention towards it. At Mass Mutual, uh, there's a big emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's something that is important from our top leadership down. It's something that we incorporate into our daily huddles, but also we have a lot of open spaces for our employees to talk about things that are happening, current events that are happening, how it impacts them, how they show up day to day. So I think the the first and foremost thing that we can do is to actually talk about these things in the workplace. Historically, you know, that wasn't necessarily done. There was a lot of separation between personal and, and work. And now we're talking a lot about how it's impossible to separate your personal self from your work self because it impacts how you show up in the workplace. So I think if we're going to be successful in increasing diversity and actually mean it, we have to really give our employees the opportunity to feel safe to talk about these issues at work. That's it from ISMG Security Report. The music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time. Music.